You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. I have on the podcast with me Matthew Swigart from Bigsby, Oklahoma today, uh, Power of Technology and the amazing thing that zoom is we have a podcast <laughs> um i have to say that just in case people think i actually drive all around the state which will happen one day um uh, but really appreciate you coming on mate thanks for finding the time oh man it's my pleasure this is uh, pretty cool to be able to do it thank you uh so you have a business called hold fast gear which is handmade leather straps for for event photography right that's essentially what it is yeah, that's that's the focus is for, for photographers, but we also make bags, leather bags, uh-huh. you know, uh, camera straps, of course, leather bags, travel bags, camera bags, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. So you're in you're in you're up in Bigsby. Uh, has home always been in Bigsby? Always kind of grown up there? No. Yeah, you know, I, I I was uh, born and raised in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Ah, okay. And, uh, yeah, and then moved came up to Oklahoma for college, and then met a girl, fell in love, and stayed here. Yeah. Where'd you go to school? I went to ORU. Okay. Here in Tulsa. Nice. So you are real close to home then for, oh, yeah. for, for, for your wife and stuff. Oh yeah. Awesome. So I was looking a little bit on the website and, and some of the videos you guys do. And so founded in 2002, um, take me to, you know, I guess growing up photography was, was a passion or was the leather side of things a passion? No, uh, neither. I was always involved in, um, uh, you know, drawing and anything creative and crafty stuff growing up. And then when I went to college, I went to school for graphic design for video. So video production stuff. Okay. And, um, that's where I loved, that's what I love to do. And then while I was in college, um, I picked up a little two megapixel digital camera and started taking pictures with it. Even though I was doing video stuff, I, I bought that to help with the graphic design things I was doing and just fell in love with the camera and knew I wanted to be a photographer and nothing else. I went ahead and finished my major in, in the video production stuff, but I wanted to be a photographer. So um, that's where it all started for me. And then that was in early, uh, you know, 99, early 2000s. And after I graduated, I eventually started a yeah. uh, photography company, started shooting weddings and all sorts of stuff. And then obviously that's what led you to having, carrying multiple cameras and not being comfortable. And as you put it in the video, yeah. it's like a SWAT police force. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, exactly. So yeah, and so I shot weddings for uh, about a decade, and so I started whole fast gear in 2011. So I had been shooting for nearly a decade, um, carrying multiple cameras. You know, showing up to uh, at a wedding. You know, that's where the one place where everyone is dressed their absolute best. I mean, from the guests all the way on up, everyone's looking their absolute best, and then the photographer comes in, not matching the scenario that they're in. You know, and so I, I never liked that. So I tried to present myself a certain way. Sure. But then carrying the gear that I need to carry didn't really jive with that. So I started making my own stuff. Yeah. And obviously you'd had all this creative and just, you know, that side of you growing up, you always had that itch to do something. Uh, I mean, what, what was it? What were you looking at? You know, when, when, when you just start to, you know, start to start to start this company and you're looking at things to do and, and now, you know, there's no better company to start than one that helps you. Right. And, and most, yeah, of the, exactly, yeah. most of the founders who, produce gear like yourself in other industries have come from it because they couldn't buy it themselves. They went out and built it themselves. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I think that was the the key for me was I was solving my own problems. That's what I was looking to do. I wasn't initially looking to start a company or I didn't like, I wasn't like looking around and say, where's a hole in the industry? You know, it's like, I just knew that I want to present myself a certain way and I couldn't find that anywhere else. So I started making my own stuff, started teaching myself leatherworks. When, it, when I, 
kind of had an idea for how I wanted to present myself. I knew right away I wanted to, to use leather because first of all, leather looks really good to start out, but then as it ages, it looks better. Whereas, you know, man-made materials, they fall apart. They don't get better with age. They just fall apart. Yeah. So when, you know, so the company has been almost 10 years. Um, Yes. You know, when did, like, I guess, how did you get it out there? What was, what was the sales like? I mean, totally different, I'm sure, to what it is now selling. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Social media back then. It was, see, so yeah, I started in 2011 and right away, no stores wanted to carry the products. They just said it's too expensive. Photographers don't care about how they look. Photographers aren't going to pay that much for a strap or a bag. You know, so it's just nose across the board. So I just started my website and made it live and just did all direct to consumer because mm-hmm. um, stores wouldn't take it. But I wasn't, I felt in my heart I was doing the right thing and I knew I was supposed to be doing it. So I wasn't going to stop at the first no or the second no, you know? And so uh, the interesting thing though was Instagram. That was kind of, I, I'm not exactly sure when Instagram got started, but it was definitely taken off around that time. And photographers started buying the year, taking pictures of themselves using it. And so I didn't really have to, to spend any money doing marketing because the photographers did that for me. Right. And so it really took off through Instagram initially. Mm-hmm. And there was, I guess, nothing, you know, nothing out there like that. So it really stood out. Right. Yeah. It really jumped out because uh, back in that, back in those days, everything was black, nylon, neoprene. It was just a whole different way of working and thinking. And um, so when it, when, when I put it out there and started sell and started selling it, I mean, it was literally, I started the company in, uh, let's see, in February of 2011, sold the first product in November of 2011. And over the next three years, it just sort of uh, just grew until it just really kind of exploded. Yeah. And now obviously, you know, you're still shooting, you're still, this is just a side gig at the, at that time, you know, you're still doing your wedding photos and still shooting the whole Mm -hmm. time. So it's kind of, I mean, it's the best gamble to take, right? You're not like diving in and putting all your money into this and hoping that, you know, you still have a job at the end of the day. Yeah. I was still working, doing video, doing video work during the week, doing all my weddings on the weekends. And I had just had my second child. So I had two kids um, at home. And so I would, you know, work through the week, shoot my weddings on the weekend, and, and my wife and I would put our kids to bed, and we'd jump onto holdfast gear stuff, making boxes, packaging items, printing labels. And yeah. so for three years there, we we did that, and there was plenty of sleepless nights and, and long days and long nights. But at the end of it, I was doing what I loved to do and what I knew I was supposed to do. So it didn't feel like I was like, like it was hard work. It just felt like, man, I'm loving what I'm doing. Yeah. You know. And, and, you know, when, when, when is that first overseas sale? Well, I guess, I guess you should, when's that first out of state sale? And then the first overseas one, are they kind of in the same year? You know, what's funny is Oklahoma, for whatever reason, it really never hit in Oklahoma, you know, so everything was out of state forever. Yeah. In fact, in fact, the very first ripoff of my product was from somebody in Tulsa that went to Tandy Leather <laughs> and was asking them how to make it. And the and the lady that the manager at Tandy Leather knows me because I've of course I've done a lot of work yeah. there. And they're like, you know, the guy that started this is here in Tulsa. You know, so uh, it was really kind of a funny funny start. But yeah, so we were instantly selling on the on the coasts right away. New yeah. California, New York, it really just blew up. And uh, to be honest with you, I don't remember when the first international sale was, but you know, about almost 50% of our business is international sales. We ship all over the world, just, you know, every continent, just about. So it's, 
it's pretty cool how it works. Yeah. I was looking on the website and seeing like where the places, I guess the, the stores that carry your stuff. I mean, it's Australia, Japan, South Korea, like all these, I mean, Germany, UK, like it's pretty awesome to come out of Oklahoma and just have, you know, this huge world worldwide reach in the photography community. Yeah. It's, it's kind of humbling when you think about it, like for me anyway, cause it, you know, like I said, I wasn't, this wasn't like a dream to start a business. It was never on my mind to do it. It was just, I needed to work in a certain way. I was feeling uncomfortable with the gear that I had on and it didn't present properly. So I just kind of started making, making the stuff just for myself, you know, to solve my needs. And, and so the way it grew, it just, it, it always surprised me to, to look back at it and think on it. So what, what was the, for people listening uh, that aren't watching us right now, haven't been to the website, um, explain to them what like the first product is to solve that need. And then also, like I said, why it was leather, not, you know, black and stuff. Yeah. The, the first product that really kind of put us on our map on the map is called the moneymaker camera strap. And I was really inspired by the name and the look, you know, uh, I've all, I was always into tech detective films and Westerns growing up and still am. And when you look back on the, you know, the seventies detective films, the detective, he was always the coolest guy in the film. And he always had a leather, you know, gun holster on and he just looked cool, you know? And, and so for me, that was an image, that was an imagery that I loved. And that guy always looked cool. Um, and then in the wild West, you know, there's a gun called the Colt peacemaker. And the, I always loved the idea that whoever carried that gun, they almost took on the persona of that tool. Mm-hmm. You know, the gun was called the peacemaker and they kind of took on that persona, which, which was cool to me. So my idea when I made the moneymaker, um, first of all, I wanted it to be like that seventies detective who was always cool. So right away I wanted to use leather because of that. Also because leather ages when you use it and it looks better as it ages, it doesn't break fall apart and break down. It just looks better. And so, um, if I wanted to dress up and look a particular way, I felt like the only way I could achieve that look was through leather. And then I knew I could make a product that would last forever with leather. Uh, so, cause everything we make, I put a lifetime guarantee on it. You know, if it breaks, if it breaks, we just fix it or replace it. And that's one of our pillars in the company. And cause I'll, I'm all about value. I'm not about, I don't care so much about price. I care about giving our customers real value. And so if, if I can give them a product that isn't going to break, that isn't going to last forever, then that to me is value. So, um, and then the name, I wanted this to be about when you put this strap on, you're going to work. It's like you click into a different mindset. And where that really hit home for me was the very first time, the very, the first strap that I made in the first wedding I wore it at, I showed up to this wedding. And when I walk into the, to the bride's room to start shooting, uh, the room kind of got quiet. And then I could hear the girl saying, wow, that guy looks, looks like he knows, knows what he's doing. And they're saying that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, they haven't met me and they, they really probably haven't seen my work, but they're like, he knows what he's doing. And it clicked. It's based on how I looked. So how I showed up at that wedding, the way it presented it, it, the way it read to them was trust. They trusted what I said to do because they thought I looked like I knew what I was doing. Right. And so then that for me kind of said on that persona that when I put this on, I'm taking on a persona, I'm clicking into work, I'm going to go make the money, you know, or the, or just like the cult peacemaker is like, you take on that persona. Mm-hmm. And, um, so for me, the, what I found out right away was it was so much easier for me to interact with my customers when I show up to a shoot because they just liked how I looked and it seems simple. And there's this idea out there that photographers need to be a fly on the wall. They shouldn't be noticed. I get all that. But at the end of the day, I'm showing up to shoot an event where there's a bunch of people that are going to, that, that are seeing me work. They're watching me work. They may have never seen my pictures I take, right? They may have not heard of me, but they're watching me work and I have to interact with them. So if all of a sudden they like how I look and they like how I present and they trust that, 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 that turns into trust when I'm working with them, 
well, then that makes my part of my job so much easier. Yeah, definitely. And I, I like, you know, and I, I, like I said, I watched the, the kind of intro video to the YouTube and the video on the website and stuff. And, and like you're saying, like when you first started out, and I think it speaks to a lot of photographers as well, like you're kind of shy. That's the reason you're behind the camera, not in front of it, you know, <clears throat> and that's, yeah. you know, like I said, putting, putting, strapping this in, looking good, not dressed all in black and trying to hide, like you kind of fitting into, to the, to the scene. And, and then exactly. You know, you, like I said, you just assume that role and become this different person when you click in. And it's, it's a really cool way and a great way to tell a story and market into the business for that person as well. Like, I really like that. That was really cool. How, so you have one, so that was the first product. I mean, how many are we at now? I know there's a lot. Oh man, there's so, there's so many. We've got, you know, a dozen different bags and pouches that attach to the straps or work independently. Um, one of our most popular bags is called the Remographer. So the idea is a roaming photographer is where I got the kind of mix the two names and it's made out of American bison leather um, with bridal leather trim and accents. And it kind of is based on an old school doctor's bag. So it's got the metal top frame that folds open. And I like that idea. So when it, when it's, when it, when you sit the bag down and the top opens up, it stays open. So finding your gear quickly on a shoot is really something that you need to think about. So the way this bag works, you can set it down and it stays open when you want it to be open. So you can reach down, grab the lens you want, grab the cameras you need. Um, so I kind of consider that my home base when I'm shooting and when I'm working, I have that bag. And it just, the cool thing about that bag is it just looks like a really good looking bag, like a great travel bag, not just like, Hey, that's a camera bag, you know? And so that's kind of what I want all my products to do is for me, form and function have to be equal. That's one of my pillars of the company, when I started this, that form and function, one could not weigh, outweigh the other. So um, it had to look as good as it performed. It had to perform as good as it looked. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, my bags follow that philosophy. All of our products follow that same philosophy. And so they are really comfortable. They are really functional, but they have to look just as good as all the other, all the other items. Yeah. And everything's handmade in town. Well, no, the bags are made in New York. Um, I've got a factory that I work with in New York. Uh, everything else outside of the bags are made in my shop in Bixby and, but the bags and the, and all the straps, everything's handmade. Um, and everything is with a lifetime guarantee on it. It's a full American made product with 90% of everything being made here in Oklahoma. Yeah. It's pretty special. It's pretty awesome. And not thank you. Thank you. That, right? Not many people can say that they, they employ a bunch of people and make stuff handmade. It's, it's, it's cool. And that's one of the things I do take a lot of pride in is the fact that we're, involved in our community. And that was, that was, I knew right away that once I started this company that I wasn't going to, and this may sound funny and it may sound different. I don't consider myself a businessman anyway, but I don't, um, I'm not driven by a price on an item and I'm not driven about by money. So I'm not worried about, I didn't start, I didn't start this business to make money. It was, it was never about that for me. So, and that's one of the things I maintain because if it becomes about money, then at some point I'm going to have things made in China or somewhere else. I'm not going to use the best materials I can find. I'm not going to put a lifetime guarantee on it. At some point, I'm going to compromise everything to make as much money as I can. So when I started it, it was not about money. And to this day, it's not about money. So that's one thing I take pride in is that we are involved in our our community here in in Tulsa and Bixby. And we're using our people here as much as possible to build as much as we can. And um, yeah, it makes, it makes the product a, a premium price. Mm-hmm. But then again, when it's made, I know I can put a lifetime guarantee on it and it's not going to break. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you have this business, you have employees and, and family, you know, and all this stuff that's going on in this, are you still shooting? Are you still getting out to, you know, I, are you, are you still for hire or are you still just getting out to shoot for fun? 
No, I, I stopped shooting full time in 2014. So I ran hold fast gear and my photo business for, for three years until whole fast gear grew so big. I couldn't maintain all of it. Mm. So now I, I'm still passionate about photography. I still carry cameras, multiple cameras with me everywhere I go every single day, just because I love it. Mm. Uh, anything I shoot now is more family or just really fun, special jobs. Um, if someone asks me to do something that's really seems really neat, I'll do it, but not for pay just for fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. And then, uh, you know, what, what, talk me through your camera. What, what are you, what are you siding with? Who, you know, who are you shooting for? Yeah, I shoot quite a few, you know, back when I was shooting weddings, I was shooting Nikon mainly mm-hmm. and, uh, Nikon and Fuji. And so now I shoot, uh, of course my Nikon still, but my everyday cameras are like us. I love the range rider range finder feel. And I love how range finders work. Mm-hmm. It's just slower. It's smaller. They're just the look that you get out of it is, is really special. So yeah. I shoot rangefinder cameras. So Leica's, uh, Nikon still, I've got Sony's and I've got Mamiya and Hasselblad. Yeah. And you know, you, you said like initially it was all video stuff. That was kind of what your degree was in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what's, what's like the, uh, now that you have the kids and stuff, I'm sure a lot of the videos are just shooting around with the kids and messing around, but you know, what, was there anything that before you had kids that you were really into? Was it more like interview based stuff or was it like documentary style? Like what was your passion in the video side? Actually. So my, my mate, when I went to school, it was called graphic design for video. So okay. I loved like intros and outros for oh, shows okay. and okay. building fly-ins and graphics and that kind of oh, stuff. Yeah. Now I, I did do some editing too. And, um, and, and more documentary t- style stuff, but it was a lot of it was more so the graphic part of things. Yeah. So do you still try and find, find some time to doodle and do stuff like that? No, not really. Um, I mean, I still enjoy it to a degree, but there's just not a lot of time involved. And so nowadays, you know, I'm running whole fast gear and then I have my family. We got three kids now. So I'm really focused on, on doing the things that I'd love to do more than anything else. Yeah. And so I guess the day to day now it's, you know, it's just managing and making sure things get there. And I mean, during this time, like shipping must be a nightmare. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it, the shipping was never too bad because we had, um, you know, FedEx never stopped. They, they never stopped working. Sure. And, uh, that, that was good for us. We were able to, to keep shipping. Now photographers were, were among the hardest hit in this situation. You know, every photographer lost their job immediately, you know, overnight, all their weddings canceled, all their events canceled. So of course that affects our business being photocentric and what we do. Yeah. So, yeah. um, that really was, um, hard, but we were able to, um, uh, keep rolling, keep selling and, and keep shipping our products. Like I said, FedEx never stopped. So we, we didn't either. Yeah. That, that, I, I mean, I know friends in the industry and, and friends in just kind of the similar industry to photography, you know, like DJs and stuff like that. Like they, it's amazing how many people this has affected. Um, oh, yeah. You, you said earlier though, that this kind of like the marketing stuff started on Instagram and you guys have a great following on Instagram and it was mostly just basically the photographers doing the work for you. And I noticed you guys have a, you know, a fair few amount of ambassadors and stuff. Is it still that way? Are you still marketing mostly on Instagram or is it other places as well? No. Yeah. We've had to diversify a little bit. I mean, one of the biggest things that happened to us was a- after the first three years and it really took off, then all of a sudden copies came out like crazy, you know, and people rip- and we have patents on our products. We have, I don't know. I'm, I may have almost a dozen patents now or something like that. But um, people don't care about patents. They just think someone's making money. I can copy that. I can do that. And so like on Etsy, there's like, I don't know, 30 pages of ripoffs of our products on there. And so that was the, that's what really kind of drove me into actually having to think about marketing was the fact that people were out there buying stuff and not really 
knowing that who the originator was, who yeah. started it, and the fact that we have patents and stuff like that. So um, it, that's been a, a real interesting uh, yeah. thing to figure out the past couple of years. Yeah. How, how was that? How was the first, you know, what, what was it like? I, I assume it didn't make you feel great when you have someone ripping you off. Like it's, for well, some, like I said, you're not a business person and I'm not either, but if someone starts copying me, like it's kind of insulting, isn't it? It's kind of funny. So, uh, okay. Two things. One of my, one of my ideas when I started this company, I mean, not ideas, but one of the thing, one of my pillars was, uh, influence. I wanted to be able to influence the, the photo community as a whole. Sure. So when you look at it that way, if you have a bunch of ripoffs, yeah. that's, that's pretty cool. You know? So that's a really neat feeling, that part of it. Now, here's where it's a kind of a, a, a not cool feeling. The very first trade show I did with my company, it was in Vegas. And it's a big wedding photo industry trade show. I go there, the very first one. And there's this gentleman, uh, not from here, he's an international guy, comes over to me. He's like, oh, man, we love these products. These are so cool. We want to be your international distributor. We want to represent you all over the world. Bring you in, into uh, England and, and Italy and all these places. And they're Italian. These people are so, and I'm not a business guy and I'm very green, very new to this. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Okay. Awesome. So he said, okay, now you send me your, your top six items and we'll, we'll take it and produce a marketing campaign on it. And then we'll get your stuff into all the stores in Europe. And I'm still thinking, yeah, this is great. All right. So I do that. So, um, three months, three months goes by. He sends them all back as now nah, we're not interested. We don't think it's going to do well. I've heard that before. You know, every store turned me down. Yeah. So it didn't, it just went off my back. I didn't think much about it until three months after that, uh, a company popped up that was ripping off everything that I sent them like to the T <laughs> in Italy. It was nice enough and, to send them back to you. Yeah. He sent it back and this was in Italy. Yeah. And so I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, that's crazy. And so one thing it taught me was patents are here for a reason. Yeah. Use them. You know, so I learned the hard way about getting patents. So then from that point on, I got patents on everything. Now here's the weird part about this whole thing. And and maybe it's in every genre. It's definitely in the photo industry, which I don't understand is now I've, I've, I'm the one that laid out the blood, sweat and tears to build this. I laid out all the financial uh, risk here. You know, I've risked my whole life on this. So if this doesn't work, my kids are on the line, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's all out there. So um, I put everything out. I blazed this trail to, to do this. And then I, then I pay the money then to get patents to protect my investments. So then, Hey, I'm on, I'm on TV. I'm on an interview thing real quick. No, I'll talk to you in a minute. Sorry. Okay. Uh, my young one came in, wants to watch wrestling. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, what was I saying? Okay. Patents, yeah. yeah your so, livelihood. So you said, yeah, it protects your livery, livelihood. So now I go and get patents. Now then when someone is, you know, blatantly ripping me off, I don't care if they do something similar, if it, as long as it's not my idea or the exact same way, right? Just, yeah. you can be influenced by it, just do it the exact same way I do it. That's all I care about. So I got patents. So if I use that patent and say, hey, you're copying me, all of a sudden in the photo community, I become a bad guy because yeah. I'm shutting down competition. Well, copying is not competition, right? Competition is, is different. Two ideas going head to head, not the same idea, one ripping off the other. That's not competition. That's just stealing, right. you know? And so that's, what's been weird the past few years is if I have to say, Hey, look, you're, you're, you, this is my pat. I own this patent here. Don't do it. I become the bad guy for doing that. And that like this guy's breaking into my home and coming into my refrigerator and taking my food. And then I, I defend my home and I'm the bad guy for de- defending my home. Right. That, that's so weird. 
makes no sense so, at all. It doesn't, right. So that's what's been kind of interesting to figure out. And obviously, I don't want to be a jerk or, or a mean guy. It's just, just do your own thing. You don't have to do my thing, you know. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's such a strange world, isn't it? That, you know, you've done something, you've taken the time to, to develop it. And like I said, you put everything into this, you know, and you rely on it, family, like, especially now when, you know, you're not shooting, you don't have right. to job and all the rest of you. You've spent years and years perfecting this, building a brand that's relied upon. And then, you know, you, like I said, your pillars and adding value and, and just, you know, lifetime warranty, like there's not many people that live up to their lifetime warranties, right? You know, they always find yep. a loophole that says, you know, oh no, it's this, this, and this. It wasn't our fault. Like, and uh, you know, that, that's a really cool thing. I'm sure you're really proud of that as well. Yeah, I definitely am. And, and see, for me, it's more about because I started as a photographer first, right? So I know how important it is to have gear that works. Mm-hmm. I've been in the middle of a wedding when a camera broke. I've been in the middle of a wedding where a strap broke and my camera fell hit the ground. You know, that's, that, that's happened to me. This is before I had my company. So I really care about those things. And I, and I care about making sure I provide real value to the photographers and people that use my gear. So yeah, if it, if I don't want, I build my stuff to last forever, but if it breaks, I'll fix it or replace it. And it kind of no questions asked. Is there any, I guess, I mean, what you know you've got to where you are now what what's next and and where do you go from here is it more diversified products or is it you know what what's like your vision or plan for the, for the next kind of five ten years yeah it, for me i'm not a um i'm not a five to ten year planner kind of guy i if a problem arises i try to solve that problem and that's just kind of how i've always been so you know a couple of years ago we our dog passed away so we got a new dog and he's a german shepherd and i really wanted to get into training him and working with him and so right away, I found out that I didn't like the collars and leashes that were available. So I started making my own collars and leashes and, and stuff like that. So now we have a whole pet line that we just added to the website. Mm-hmm. Um, really neat, uh, hands-free uh, leashes that can be used for jogging, it can be used for training over the shoulder, um, really neat stuff. And so that's kind of how I am. If, if, if a problem arises, I want to try to solve it. Okay. And so that I kind of keep fluid in that sense, as, as opposed to getting locked into a five-year, 10-year kind of plan. Again, I'm not a business guy, and so maybe that's a fault of mine that I don't plan that way. But literally, it just kind of comes up. If there's something I see that I want to fix, I'm going to try it. And if it works, I'll go ahead and put it on the site and, and start selling it. Yeah. And then I guess would just be uh, the goal is to just get into more countries and more photographers and, and just to gain, you know, on more shoulders, I would assume, is would be the way to put it, right? Have people strap yeah. cameras. Yeah. It, yeah, and that's the other thing, too, is a lot of our um, – since I was – I was a wedding photographer to begin with. My products really exploded in the wedding photo industry. Um, but they work just as good for a sports photographer, you know, anybody shooting events. And so that's the other thing too, that, to, that I've been putting time into and thinking about is building relationships because photography seems like a small world, but it, but they're really, it's very segmented, you know, like for whatever reason, sports photographers don't go to shoot weddings, wedding photographers don't go shoot outdoors, outdoors photographers, you know, it's kind of funny. It's really, really segmented. So you know, breaking past just the wedding market into other markets has is, is been a challenge. It's something I've been thinking about. Yeah. I'm a huge car fan. So like shooting cars and, and knowing, following people who, who are car photographers and, and there's yes. a people that I've mentioned in the past, there's a lady from the UK. She shoots Nikon. She, her name's Amy Shaw. Um, yeah. She's really good. Uh, and just, she came from the wedding space. And then there's another guy who hopefully I'll have on, I think we're scheduled to maybe tomorrow. I think I'm interviewing him. His name's Larry Chen. And he's one of the best automotive photographers out there. Uh, Incredible, out of LA, and but he he can, he's a Canon guy. But 
you see him, you know, videos and his does a lot of cool video stuff, but his, you know, he, I don't know what he's strapped on, but he's got something on and he's carrying, you know, three heavy cameras and you need that back support. Then you, the people don't realize. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You're a camera person, you don't realize how heavy these things are. Oh yeah. They're heavy. And then also like if you're shooting, you know, a car event or a wedding or sports, you're carrying that gear and you're on your feet and you're moving around quickly for hours. You know, I've, I've shot 18 hour weddings before. And so where it's just nonstop. And the idea for me is I, one of the drivers behind the product was I wanted to have the cameras and lenses that I needed and not have to worry about fighting with bags. You know, I wanted to have it on me real fluid. I could shoot, then grab the next camera and shoot because time things are changing in front of me. I want to capture the story that's happening. And with a wedding, you don't have a second chance. You've got to get it. And so uh, I wanted to have the cameras at my fingertips, but then also carry it in a very comfortable way. And so the way our straps work, they actually pull you, pull your shoulders back more. So you're actually in a, in a better posture. They're not uh, pulling you to one side or to the other side. Yeah. Which I'm, I mean, if you're on your feet all day, you got some serious back pains. I'm sure Right. everyone who's right. This, this, a photographer knows exactly what we're talking about. Absolutely. Uh, so everyone, everyone can go follow, you know, go, go and, and see the website. It's holdfastgear.com and then, uh, hold fast gear on Instagram as well. You have a huge following there. Um, is if there's any like photographers that are listening to this that are very good at what they do and, and is there like a way that they can apply to be an ambassador of yours? Like how do you pick your ambassadors and that kind of thing? Yeah. So what we've been doing, we've, we've, the, the ambassador program is actually fairly new. Um, so we sent you send in an email to ambassador at holdfastgear.com. And then we reply back with a set of questions, you know, that you fill out mm-hmm. and then we kind of get the ball rolling that way. And, uh, yeah, especially if Oklahoma photographers, you know, our shop is located in Bixby and it's a really cool place just to come and see. It's, it's a neat building. The building was built in the forties. And so, um, yeah, if you guys are in town near me, reach out through Instagram or Facebook or email from the site. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to meet you guys and y'all can even come out to the shop and it'd be kind of a fun thing. Awesome. Well, mate, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I don't want to stop the little one from watching too much wrestling. I know how I <laughs> as a kid and I'm like, I want to see TV now. So yeah. I really appreciate your time. Um, and yeah, everyone listening, go, go check out Matt's stuff and I will post all the links below to everything that we've just said. So thanks for listening and we will catch you next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.